0: Because Money was originally recorded as a video podcast, so there may be visuals that don't carry through to this audio-only version. Please visit BecauseMoney.ca to see the show notes, related links, and more. Do you know what I never noticed until
1: today? You look like a handsome version of Tony Clement, who is my MP. I mean, not in a. I mean, a, in it like if he was a you know human being that I wanted to interact with.
2: Oh, that is like the definition of a of a t- t- tough compliment to know how to take. Way to go, way to go, Sandy.
3: Wasn't deeply offended, although I don't know who Tony Clement is. Uh, so. Yeah. Oh, well,
1: you <laughs> know what? It's no great loss. It's probably. Yeah, not... yeah I'm gonna Google it though. Yeah. So,
3: Sandy, seriously? Come on. I said the handsome version. Rob. The handsome version. I thought you yeah. Those eyebrows. <laughs>
1: Maybe I just have Tony Clement on the break
2: today. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Because Money. Today we are talking housing. More specifically, different ideas about housing, communal living, community where housing meets home. Yeah, maybe? With the wonderful Sandy Martin, John Robertson, and special guest Rob Bancroft, right? That's it, I didn't think I could mispronounce it, but you never know, and... You say it did great. Yes, I actually thought that we would we'd warm up into the housing conversation a little bit with with uh, a fun game. Well, I don't know if it's fun. It's gonna be fun with a fun game. Uh, we're gonna try to guess some some what the average house prices is uh, across Canada. Because the thing is, is that when we talk about housing, we always talk about Vancouver or Toronto, right? We gotta get stuck in those two little loops. So I think it's valuable. We'll just avoid. Talking about Vancouver and Toronto for like five minutes before we've fall into that hole <laughs> completely because that's that's how it works. And talk a little bit about like where houses are across Canada and it always makes me want to move to the East Coast. But uh, okay, so what do you guys think, ballpark, if we're looking at Newfoundland, Labrador, what's the average house price? And take into consideration this data because data is always old, January 2016, so it's about a year ago. $47,000. <laughs> $47,000 locked in any other guesses that are significantly <laughs> higher.
3: Average in the
2: <laughs> province though? Average in the, in the province.
3: Ah, p- uh, see that's tricky. Yeah, we're talking Gander about rural? and St. John's are going to drive that up.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Which is something that Sandy might not have thought about. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. 47,000.
3: Uh I'm going to I'm going to say t- Two
2: eighty six. Two eighty six. And I'll come in the middle with uh, one ninety five. One ninety five. Like
1: there was a good bid for forty eight thousand there, but all right, <laughs> miss your chance.
2: <laughs> so the average house prices are um, two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So Prices Right rules because every guessing game that I play is Prices Right rules, closest without going over. John takes the cake on that one. So we'll go to the middle of the of the country to my home province, Manitoba. What do you guys think? And if you guess $47,000 again, I will feel like you're undervaluing the place where I was born.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do I have to go first? Okay. You don't uh, have to go first.
2: Actually, we should make John go first. We should make John go first because he won the last round. Okay. Uh, 315.
0: 315.
2: Okay. Rob? Uh,
3: 286.
2: Okay. Sandy? 285 see <laughs> so you should have gone with your $40,000 because right, right. everybody else make make <laughs> should have gone done. with the $1 bid because everybody went over $264 huh? Two, okay. tell them
1: what your showcase is
2: let's keep <laughs> showcase is um, so Alberta what do we got for Alberta Oh, dice. Okay, Dang. Sandy has to go first because she's shaking her head vigorously. Remember?
1: $302,000. Okay, okay.
2: I'm, I'm nodding. What's that, $302? $302. I'm $302 I'm
3: and $1. Oh,
2: somebody's gaming <laughs> the system <laughs> now.
0: Yeah, I, I think we're in about the right ballpark, but I'll go a little higher just to not be the guy that adds one more dollar
2: again. So, uh, three ninety. It's oh, and you went just a little bit too high. Three seventy is the is hey. the magic number. So Rob comes on the board with one point, point. and so for our tiebreaker, we are going to go because you know guests should get a little bit of an advantage. We're going to go to BC average house prices for BC in January two thousand sixteen. Rob, the board is yours.
3: Oh, good lord! Uh, average. Ha- it's crazy. Hard to imagine, right? Well, it's hard Jeez. to imagine
2: the whole province too. It's like we said. Right? It's like, yeah, exactly. I only ever the talk about versus... Metro Vancouver.
3: Uh, I want to say like five.
2: Five. Okay. Yeah, John. Uh,
0: Four thirty.
2: Seven fifty-two. Because Vancouver is just crazy enough <laughs> to drag the entire rest of the province up with it Wow
3: well,
2: okay seven, so Rob takes around takes round one but you guys all have a chance to come back we're gonna live in rental average rental prices and we're gonna be looking at at cities now um, and because obviously it depends what kind of apartment we're looking at. We're going to look at average rent prices for a two-bedroom apartment. Okay? Two-bedroom apartment.
0: Are are you using CMHC's data or like
2: actual rents? I'm using an (laughs) infographic that I found that looks pretty. (laughs) Hashtag reliable.
1: (laughs) I feel like you should probably send it to me so I can look. Yeah, I'll send
2: it to you right after the game's done. (laughs) So we're going to start over in St. John's. On the east coast of Canada, beautiful St. John's. If I was looking for a two-bedroom apartment, what would be the average price that I would pay? Our winner from the last round, Rob, first guess. Uh
3: 1250
2: $1250. John? Uh $7.50. $7.50. Okay. Sandy?
1: $850? <laughs>
2: Sandy gets the square. 882 oh. Awesome, hey. yes. Okay, Ooh, we're going to jump over to the thriving metropolis of Guelph, Ontario. There's far too little discussion <laughs> in the housing, uh, housing kind of discussion about Guelph, Ontario. What is the average two-bedroom apartment in Guelph? And remember, Guelph is the university town. And it's a very nice town. Beautiful parks, rolling hills
3: lot of shitty apartments. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Itty bitty living space.
2: <laughs> okay, Sandy, what do you think? Guelph.
1: Two bedroom Guelph.
2: Two bedroom Guelph.
1: Thirteen? Thirteen
2: hundred. Okay. John? Ten fifty.
0: Ten
2: fifty. And Rob? Uh, I'm going to go uh, eleven hundred. You guys are getting better, for sure. The price is $12.75, so Rob takes that one. Nice. Okay, and let's jump across to uh, to Regina, Saskatchewan. Regina. Not my favorite city. I gotta, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sorry for all you Regina listeners. It's just that I was born in Manitoba, and you know the thing we have. You guys don't, because you're not from Manitoba or Saskatchewan, but if anybody is in Regina and is wondering why I'm bad in Joe city, they'll understand that I grew up a Winnipeg. <laughs> okay, so Regina... <laughs> Two bedroom average rent, Rob. Uh, eight
3: hundred.
2: Okay. Undervaluing the prairie market. Can I?
3: Can I? Can I revise it?
2: Nope. Damn. Locked
0: in.
3: Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm tough but fair, but also not fair. (laughs) John, I'll go eleven hundred. Eleven hundred.
1: Oh, for the love, seven hundred.
2: Okay, John gets it. It's eleven ninety two. So I think everybody's tied at one. Okay. And this is the perfect tiebreaker. The city that we all know the most about and who we can't stop hearing about how much their rental market is, Yellowknife. (laughs) (laughs) For all of our wonderful listeners and fans from Yellowknife, let's talk about your average two-bedroom apartment cost. And we'll start with- And then can we talk about the cost
1: of broccoli too?
2: Yeah. I think that that's the rest of the podcast right there. Cost of broccoli and Yellowknife. Sandy, what's your guess? seven hundred and forty nine dollars obviously oh seven (laughs) hundred forty nine sounds good
3: rob i i mean i think i think you always hear about like how expensive it is to live in the north right i think it's going to be surprisingly expensive i i want to say 1300
2: okay and john
0: i mean i I think like for not yellow knife like $9.50 Nine fifty is surprisingly expensive, so that's what I'll go with.
2: Sixteen forty nine. Yes. And wow. We yet again, you know, let the guest win, which is very noble of us. <laughs> yes, that's Please. what it was. Rob, you're we'll, welcome um,
3: for uh, my expertise.
2: <laughs> <We'll>, <laughs> it's all an act. We'll send you a trophy in the mail along with your gift certificate for Arby's, and uh, Rob, as he's just dis- <laughs> displayed, is um. Is the 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 handpicked housing expert that we brought on to talk about housing, uh, but actually we didn't. We do want to talk about housing today, but we just um, we want to talk about specifically about communal living and that idea of looking at the housing market a little bit more creatively than I want to buy a house, I can't buy a house, and then stopping there. So that's one of the things that we really want to talk about, and it's something that keeps on coming up with with my friends, and I don't know. Do you guys like every time I talk with a group of my friends, they want to buy a farm and move to a commune. Is it just because I mainly hang out with artists? Is that crazy? No. <laughs> farmune, <you? Okay>. nobody.
1: <laughs> no. no, no. I um. Every time that I hear you talk about your farmune, you know, I think, okay, uh, what's the application process? <laughs> I would like to do that. I will make tomato jam. That will be my contribution to the community.
2: It's that's a great so contribution to the community. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
3: I yes. think it's like taken over a few different like iterations among my peer group lately. You know, like 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 five years ago, it was like all about uh, getting uh, shipping containers and stacking them. You oh, know, nice. and then like now it's tiny houses. Like that we're young. all gonna build a tiny house yeah. and drag them around wherever we go. So we uh, went through a... you know same idea, just riff. On...
2: <laughs> it's it's true. It's, it's it's variations on a theme. We went through a theme where um, my girlfriend and I drove through PEI last year. And we decided we wanted to buy a village and just get everybody to move. to like these like 15 home villages, just a really small village right on the ocean. You're like, well, why why don't we buy this? Um, I don't know exactly what the average house price in PEI is, but I'm sure Rob does. And um, <laughs> it'd be much more affordable than trying to buy in Toronto. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, Rob, about, um, about your kind of experience with communal living and, and this kind of... I don't know, it's it's something that, that you engage in. Oh, that's a weird way to say that.
3: <laughs> that's a weird way to say that. Um, yeah, I think, so communal living. I I think, like, like so many people, went to university and had roommates. Um, and I started out living in dorms and then was like real sick of that real fast and realized that, I couldn't afford to rent <laughs> yeah. a, a one-bedroom apartment or even like a two-bedroom apartment without stacking six people in it. And so, I um, I ended up renting a house with five other guys. And it's what's what's interesting is as as the rental property gets bigger, the like cost per bedroom goes down, <laughs> generally speaking. And so, uh, yeah. So so I was able to like. Afford a way nicer house than I ever thought I would be able to live in, and yeah. I had a yard and could barbecue and it, yeah. it like really quickly became the center for community, so nobody else had all of these amenities like a garage and yeah. you know a sizable living room that lots of people could come hang out in, so we ended up having people coming and using our space for all kinds of different things. Um, And uh, yeah, and our house kind of inadvertently became the center for community. So that was like my first taste of it. Uh, And then in 2012, I moved to Vancouver and it was kind of the same story. Uh, In fact, more so, obviously. Um, And we moved into this tiny, like, like two and a half bedroom, 900 square foot basement suite and packed four guys into it. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, not enough space at all uh, so and so from there I started renting this series of teardown houses that were dirt cheap because people just wanted to squeeze a little more money out of them before they knock them down to build their dream home um, so it was like six month contracts and, and kind of month to month for a long time um, And and somewhere along that process it evolved from being a house full of young male students to being a house full of people with jobs who go to bed at 9 p.m. And and now I find myself in a situation where uh, I'm living with my spouse and our good single friend and uh, our other married friends who have two small children. And so the kind of community that we're able to engage, we evolved over the years as well, in addition to quality of the housing. So, so now we're in a house that I don't think anyone's going to tear down anytime soon. And it's, it's been really great.
2: See, I think that that's, that's kind of the most interesting thing because, you know, most people have kind of a roommate phase, you know, that kind of like phase of their life where, you know, they just moved out of the house and they're like, you live with roommates. That's just what you do. You know, I'm not living in the dorm, but I'm living with some guys, but where that leads and the kind of fact that you're living, you're like, oh yeah, that's still the same, but it's completely different. It's like it's the essence of the, the same kind of core, but not nearly what people would think about when they think about the kind of classic roommate thing.
3: I, I think at its core, you know, we, we talk about housing as it like primarily in economic terms where it's like, oh, God, this housing market is really crazy. But in fact, it's like a social phenomenon um the way that we live together is has a lot to do with our well-being and mm. how we have relationships and those kinds of things and Vancouver notorious as it is for its housing market is also notorious for being a really lonely place and a lot of people feeling experience of isolation and that sort of that sort of uh disconnect socially and so uh, i think Living in community sort of begins to address more than one issue and kind of an interesting cross
2: section. And No, go ahead, Sandy.
1: That reminds me of you, Rob, I think you took a little break from living in community and it wasn't all that it cracked up to be. So how did that how did that go?
3: Yeah, it's uh so I was living in a house full of guys and uh my partner now wife uh, was living in a house full of women and we eventually got married and moved out and said you know what enough with this house full of people we want to be our own thing you know Uh, and so we went and rented this really beautiful apartment and it was in a great neighborhood and just you know a short walk to the beach and we had good neighbors um, and we were really lonely. Uh, we, we realized that we were like, all of our friends are across town and they're still hanging out all the time and, and we're not really sure what to do with just us. Um, and and so found the first year of our marriage to be kind of this strangely isolating experience. Um, yeah. And so we had friends that were moving into town and and, and asked us, if we had any ideas about where they should rent. And mm. and our idea was, how about with us in the <laughs> house all together? Uh, and, and it's it, – uh, yeah, and so, so we found ourselves seeking it out after deliberately choosing to leave it behind because it seemed like the adult thing to do, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, okay, now we're married. It's time to get serious about housing, I guess.
2: <laughs> but, but there's that – I do promise to live with you and only you for <laughs> – <Yeah. laughs> But there's definitely, like, that social thing is such a, like, that's a real thing. There's that that feeling that you're supposed to be doing it on your own. You're supposed to be owning your own place. And either when you're on your own, if you're single, that means just you. And if you're in a partnership, that means that you as as a unit are supposed to be in your own place. And especially when you start family, like, that means you should have your own place. There's this, like, programmed social behavior. Like, we live with roommates, my partner and I, and then we've had roommates downstairs. But, um for the last couple of years, and it's interesting. It, there is a certain level of, I'm, I'm not going to say shame is a bit of a 2 strong of a word, but when people ask you how you live, and you're like, oh, well, you know, we have roommates, it sounds like you don't have your life... Like, it sounds like roommates are what you do until you get your life together enough to not do that. Like, it's just, it's a transition zone, or it's it's something you... Um, you just are, it's forced upon you and where it's like, it's not the case for us. Like not only is it way cheaper, like you were saying, and, and like my, my partner especially travels a lot for work. And so we, we spend a bunch of money going to see each other and being able to stay connected because she's gone six months of the year. Um, but it's also nice when I'm home to have people in the house and to not just be sitting up there in the studio, like just like texting sandy and john
1: (laughs) wait a second because i feel like this is a personality thing because when you said it's nice to have people in the house i was thinking but when do you get to not have people in the house because that sounds really nice john do you like doesn't this sound really off-putting to you i
0: i know like uh even before we had a kid uh Kelly and I went out and rented a detached house because not only did we not want roommates, we didn't want people living above us or on either side of us. Yeah. We wanted space just to ourselves and every now and then I want her to take my wonderful, beautiful daughter and just get out so that I can have like four hours to myself to just sit and read in silence. Like, like
2: <laughs> I, I get that. I don't disagree with that at all. And it's like, it's it's one of the, it's why it's not simple. It's like, and that's why we we're constantly having this discussion, my partner and I, about like, it's great. And I really like this part of it, but living with people, like it's not, well, you guys have a ton of people, like nobody in this conversation is, is uh, alone in their home often, (laughs) but like, it does come with, with downsides, but I think that there's just a whole bunch of positives to the discussion that aren't usually brought out into the discussion as when you talk about it as an alternative to kind of the conventional um timetable of of housing how it's supposed to work like Mm -hmm. i'm sure that yeah rob like there's there's got to be days where you wish that you could maybe maybe not kill every one of your roommates like maybe if you could do it for 24 hours and they could come back to life and some kind of it's no. like
3: there are some stuff. days where where i just want to be able to kill them humanely as opposed to like right. in a really gruesome way <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> no i love my roommates I, uh, i think i mean so john i think maybe like yourself i am about as introverted as it gets i I need to be alone. The only reason my relationship with my partner works is because we both get that we need to be alone sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, when, and so I can just be like, go away now. And she's like, good, yeah, me too. Uh, and and that works, you know. Um, and so I think for at least some people, there is this misconception that if you're living in, in a home with people, if you're sharing space, then you're just kind of constantly touching, (laughs) constantly sharing space. And so one of the, one of the caveats that was involved when we were looking for a space that worked for us was that I needed a room where I could close the door and nobody would come through it, you know, like everyone knew they needed to knock. Um, And so we have this space where there's like a downstairs that has a little suite that, that is separate. Um, and we're still like always in each other's space, but when the door's shut, people know that they need to ask to come in. Uh, and so I can have some solitude when I need it. And, and the flip side of that is that, yeah, I can always hear the kids running around upstairs. And there sort of is this need to a a willingness to experience discomfort for the benefit of the rest of the community. (laughs) Uh, that you just kind of have to embrace, that we've just had to kind of embrace.
2: Yeah.
3: Um. And, and there's been like uh, this rich experience that came out of that where, uh, you know, one of the kids is sick and so we can babysit the other one while their parents are going and taking care of them and, and they don't have to panic about driving an hour and a half to the grandparents' house to drop them off somewhere or um, trying to track down a babysitter at the last minute, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's been, it's been sweet that way.
2: Well, and that's one thing that I, I definitely, I'm sorry, Sandy, uh, I, I relate to as far as being away from home, being far away from where my family is and where kind of those, the easiest of the resources that you can guilt the most easily to kind of do that kind of thing. And it's, you know, we don't have kids now, but it is it is one thing that I, I've seen friends who are in Toronto, because it's one of those cities that people come to, um, just really use that for childcare and for, even just for uh not just childcare if they're going out, but so many of my friends are artists just to practice, you know, musicians that need to practice for two hours, three hours a day. And it's like, I'll take the kids now, you practice, and then then you'll take the kids then and I'll practice. And then just seeing how that works, even if they're living, a lot of them live kind of next door, so it's not quite the same kind of community, but it's that same, the benefits of having that support system so readily available um, when you, you might not have, kind of those easy resources in in a big city. Sandy looks somewhat skeptical.
1: No, I'm not skeptical. (laughs) No, no. It's the, it's trying to sort of reconcile the idea of being in somebody else's space. Like I, I don't have a, I mean, I think there's ample evidence that I don't have a problem with people being in my space. I don't think that's it. It's not like territorial. It's the idea of, oh, I mean, am I in your way? Oh, my, my kids are too loud. Like, I think maybe it comes from being a parent of three mm. children, possibly. <laughs> but but there's, to me, it would feel like I, I was – no, I, so I'm trying I, – I feel like there's a lot of things happening here. The, like the idea of choosing your own family in a way. Not, I mean, it doesn't mean that it replaces your other family, but in the same way that, okay, I've decided to be in a relationship with you and now there are things that, like you said, Rob, I, we're going to give up this amount of comfort or autonomy or whatever. But the benefit is we get to be together in a community and we can grow in those relationships. And I think that's really lovely. I just would worry that my children would be the ones that would be like, okay. <laughs> you guys I mean, are
3: out of here. I, 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 I would suspect that at least some of your listeners would be like, ugh you know like I don't all of this social crap like it's not that's that doesn't really matter to me like I have great friends and they don't live in my house and that's work and I feel like there's a whole other level that you can have this conversation at where it's like I save money, and I have a backyard, and I can have a full-size barbecue on my patio. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. we can all afford to park our cars. And I have a workshop in my garage, and I have a home office. And you know, there's and and I'm paying less than my friends that have a 450 square foot studio in Gastown. You know, uh, I I feel like there's just a coldly economic way to look at it as well. That's like this just makes sense, guys. <laughs>
2: No, it's you know, true. But it, it, does, it does become one of those things where you pick, you pick what's most important to you. Like if it's most important to you, like it is for some people, to just have your own space that is stable and quiet and that you can go away from the world in, then that's worth the extra money. I think that there's a, a middle group of people uh, that are really trapped between not having the money to afford a place like Toronto or Vancouver rent or, or re- probably anywhere, but especially since rents are getting so crazy, there, um, who, who can't afford that luxury, and seeing renting as it's so often depicted, kind of don't want the kind of don't want to live that life, and just to even see that there's a middle ground, there are kind of. Oh, Adults, working adults, working professionals also living in – I like the idea of living in community rather than living with roommates because it does seem like a bit of a another stage where you're like, this is roommates where we're just like – there's four jugs of milk in the fridge and there's like – there's labels on stuff and you're just like – and then Red. there's living in community where we – there's like another level of communication and I was going to ask about that when Sandy was mentioning that idea of, of um, just being – really hypersensitive of, of kids being your kids being around and whether they're going to inconvenience. Mm-hmm. I assume a big part of making it work is having um, a, a framework of communication. Like some, like, do, do you guys in your current house, like do you have specific rules and, and structures that you've kind of talked about or is a lot of stuff unspoken or, or how do you kind of make sure that that part, the communication part works really well?
0: Uh, I-
3: yeah, it's, a good question we we were definitely like over communicative at mm-hmm. at the start. I mean before we agreed to to all live together, where we would get together for dinner and kind of go around the table and say, "What would you love? What would you hate? What are you afraid of? you know and everybody had to answer the question and come up with something to say because we're all thinking something, you know, like I have this awful fear that someone's not going to flush the toilet and (laughs) I have this horrendous, right. You know, like gross stuff, but there it is. Or, or I, I sometimes have stressful days at work and I don't want to come home and find that there's like a raging party going on, Mm, like, and not have any notice, you know? And, and so having those conversations and sort of hashing it out allowed us to like, test of the feasibility of the arrangement before we committed to it Mm. Um, and now now that we're living together we've uh, we've got like a monthly check in so we'll all agree we will all put it in our calendars to have dinner together once a month and everybody kind of contributes to preparing the meal and spending time together and then we do the same thing and go around the table and say hey what's really working for you what's really not like rose and thorn give me your high point and low point and Um, and so uh, we've sort of created this space where people are encouraged to talk about the friction that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the agreement generally is that whatever that friction is should have been addressed before the meeting with the other individual. And so now we're going to talk about it as a community. Hey, this happened and it's okay now. We're not going to like argue about it over dinner. Um, but everyone should know that that really annoyed this one person or really inconvenienced this other person. Um, and, and now we're all on the same page. And so we have the same conversation about the electricity bill. Hey, someone's been leaving the lights on. Could you make sure you turn them off when you leave? Um, or someone keeps turning up the thermostat and I'm sweating. So let's <laughs> stop. Uh, yeah, so so we've been pretty deliberate about building those structures, uh, those structured conversations into the rhythm of our community. Mm-hmm. It helps that we all go way back, so yeah, a lot of our relationships are pre-existing, and so there's some social capital that we've built up with each other to draw on there um, in the the more difficult times. And it's actually been surprisingly easy. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's miserable. There haven't been huge conflicts. Um, I think. Because we're all adults, we have this sense of human decency and kindness toward each other that, that, that kind of avoids really explosive conflict.
1: I feel like that might be unique to your circle of friends.
2: <laughs> I, I think it might be an important component if you're going to try this though like if you're if it is unique if it is not something that is present in your circle of friends maybe this might not be the right structure for you no
1: it, well it's not because it was really a commentary on my circle of friends it's a very small circle um, <laughs> obviously but i guess
3: the so all com- here
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah missing one or two um, the the, did that come about Like, did, did you find that one or a few of you were the principal drivers of that like hey, guys we got to get together once a month or let's get together and go around the table or did that just kind of it occurred to everybody nobody really sort of held back on that
3: I, you know there was no resistance but there was one individual um, who was kind of like I think this is really important and I want to make sure it happens so she generally brings it up and says hey everyone we haven't done this for a little while let's all put it in our calendars um, the goal the, the point is to sort of plan it without needing to you know not waiting until something comes up a crisis um, yeah of course but I will say before before in that the pre community time when we were just getting together to talk about the possibility of all living together, it was sort of like marriage counseling. it was like <laughs> like we, we like went through these questions like how do you handle conflict and what like pisses you off and how, how will we know when you're really stressed out and what do you want us to do to like care for you when you're angry or sad or whatever. Um, And I think there was some wisdom to having that conversation because you, you're, we are in close proximity sometimes.
1: Well, and it's clear, sorry. I remember when we were first talking for, for a while, I was assuming that you had bought a house together So, and in that, I mean, so if we're talking about this, if we're going to kind of try and apply it outward a little bit to people who find the right group of people and who are willing to go through, not necessarily the same structure that you follow, but are willing to be accountable to each other and kind of talk through some of those things ahead of time and then continue those open relationships, um, it would be a a bigger deal, right, if you owned a house together than if you rent, like... knowing what you know now having the experience that you've had up until now what would have to be in place like once you own an asset together what would you just personally feel would need to be in place before you'd agree to do that with this ideal group of people that you've put together
3: i mean i think it's been really valuable for us to live together so Mm -hmm. that's First and foremost, a requirement we would need to have spent considerable time together and know that it works for us to all share space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and something we've actually been dialoguing about is what would a get-out clause look like? Mm-hmm. I mean, how how would we go about committing ourselves financially to a bigger ask as opposed to a year lease? You know, talking about getting mortgages and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, how how do we how do we enter into something like that without being really restrictive? Because if I get an amazing job offer in some other city and have to go, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to weigh down my friends that way, you know? And, yeah. and likewise, they don't want to restrict me from being able to follow opportunity. And, you know, shit happens and you have to go care for parents and, and all yeah. of that stuff. And so we've talked about... Um, by doing like uh, like duplexes or townhomes that can be sold individually as assets um, and sort of linking them together or even building them, uh, like buying property and, and building on it. And then we could have some input in the design. So that's one solution that's come up. Um, yeah, that's that's about as close as we've gotten to to talking through a get out clause at this point
2: no it's true and, and that really becomes one of the biggest things whenever we've kind of i've talked about this with my friends and you're totally right when you start thinking about people completely differently when you start thinking about living with them and not in a in a bad way you just go oh you just it just kind of shifts the person in your mind you go oh what like we're work, work. we get along great and they're a great friend but how do they handle conflict how would i what are they you know you just start asking questions like that, and the fact that you went through that is is really probably a big reason why things work as well as they do, but that does seem to be when it, you're kind of planning the the asset thing, that get out clause. it's not as big of a deal when you're renting just because it's there's just more mm-hmm. flexibility there, you know you can always figure sure. it out and but when you're you're committed that way, there has to be ways out for not just uh, uh, we all exploded as friends and now we hate each other way, which is probably the least likely of all the situations, especially after the amount of foundational work you've gone through. But, you know, it it just, it needs to be, it it needs to be flexible and it needs to be transferable. And there are interesting kind of models to look at because people deal with with this with corporations all the time and, and people kind of look at these structures in different avenues. But when you, take it out of that language and try to apply it to people in a way that's simple, but at the same time, thorough, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know, cause it needs to really be, that was one of the, the things that, that I really realized about myself and maybe not everybody would feel this way is that I just would need to know, it would have to be really thought out, especially with a mortgage about how the steps would work. How mm-hmm. would... The, like, how would you even start this? What conversations would you have to have? What kind of like? And even if the rules ended up not working, it just would have to be a good attempt to try to handle the situations in front of you. Um, yeah, John, do you have any thoughts on on kind of on what some of the? <laughs> oh no, not really at all. I don't know. No,
1: no. Here's I just, what I want to ask I just ask was you curious.
2: To, yeah. Okay. Sandy's Here's got better question. Ask
1: John. <laughs> Is kind of living. With, you know, in community notwithstanding. Is there some aspect to this that would change your mind? Or does this change the rent versus buy equation for you? Not yeah. at all. No, because it's the, because really what you're talking about is the value of the asset, you're not really talking about.
0: Yeah. So, I we mean, you can it. rent. You you can rent. I mean, it, it affects the non-financial part. So you've got the financial part, and the financial part's the same whether you're putting one person in there or one family in there or multiple families in there. If you have a big house that you can rent or a big house that you can buy, you can compare the rent versus buy scenarios. There, pretty much apples to apples, and so it doesn't really matter that much. Um, it changes a bit what you're looking for because you're not looking for like a one-bedroom apartment because you're trying to fit a whole bunch of people in there. But uh, it, it doesn't affect so much that way i mean these other issues do start to affect the non-monetary part of the comparison like it is a lot easier to get out if you're renting than if you buy because then it's how much is each person putting in for the down payment and how much of the equity do they get if they end up leaving versus the transaction fees involved in all of that and you know uh, how do you even make it work if you need multiple people on the mortgage just to afford it then if someone leaves does that mean everyone has to sell the house and start over because that's a huge amount of transaction costs and then do you put it on the one person that forced everyone to leave or do you split it equally and i mean it it just raises all these issues and on top of that makes it harder to get out and so if it's harder to get out it might be harder to start whereas mm-hmm. if that most you're talking you know 60 days notice maybe up to a year's worth of your portion of the rent to make things go smoothly that's not such a huge hurdle to overcome so you're more willing to try something like this and if it becomes more common if, if you have more examples to pull from you might be more willing to try it but I'm sure in your case Rob like you're probably the only one you know living like that at least when you started right
3: yeah I mean it's a story that's been told a few times so so there are other people in the city that are doing it I think our situation is a little bit unique in so much as we have people who are in different different kinds of families. So there's a single friend and and myself and my spouse and then a small family. And, and the fact that we're all in different stages of life and living all together is a bit unique. I think, you know, to what you're saying about the, the financial picture versus the social picture and how there's like a couple of transactions that have to happen there or a couple of agreements that you have to come to, I feel like as we're thinking about, entering into a community with a bunch of people and committing to that financially by purchasing a house, you actually have to start thinking about the transaction in a different way. Um, we are talking about it in terms of assets, but we're really talking about investing in this community because it's been a rewarding experience. And, and so we want to pursue it and, and apply it further and more deeply as we grow financially and socially and, and all the, the rest. And so, uh, um yeah, I think I think it is a totally different thing than thinking about purchasing an asset. Um there's there are like more layers and deeper levels of commitment that are required there. And so I it's it's interesting because I think one of the fears that we run into, at least in my circle of friends, is around this get out bit, like yeah. the fear of commitment where we don't want to <laughs> lock it in. Like none of us think a year in advance, let alone a 15 year mortgage in advance yeah, totally, totally. Uh, at this stage in our lives and and it might be that this kind of that kind of community really isn't appropriate for us mm-hmm. at this stage if we're not ready to make that kind of a commitment
0: well i mean even if you feel ready today that's a big issue with marriages people feel ready and they get in and they get married and then some of them get divorced not all of them a lot of them will live their entire lives together and be wonderfully happy and some of them will live their entire lives together and be begrudgingly tolerant of each other and some of them will end up getting a divorce and i mean with a larger group of people there are more possible interactions to sour and possibly blow the whole thing up and separating is even more complicated than divorce which is not a simple separation either and so, yeah, it is it is important to think about that in advance.
1: Well, and if, you know, we, we're talking about it, you know, again, we're going back to sort of the the legal convention around marriage in some ways, right? Like we're using that terminology, but there is really no convention. So, you know, you couldn't just rely on the fact that you could, you know, we got married and we bought a house together and now we're getting a divorce. Well, that's, there's already convention to deal with that law, just convention in every province, <laughs> but, um, but this, so the first, the first thing that I thought of after I thought, Oh, that's really neat. I, I can't wait to hear Rob's story was, um, so how, like you have to think up all those laws ahead of time in a sense, right? Because, and again, I keep going, I, I clearly cannot get past the idea because I am so locked into the default of. We, I had a roommate in university, and then I got married before I was finished university, and then I moved in with my <laughs> husband, <laughs> if you want to talk about how young I was, uh, and then we bought a house, and then we had babies, and then we bought a different house, and then we had more babies, like, it's, uh, it's from, from just listening to you, I can tell that this idea it just seems alien to me, not in a bad way, but just in, I, I can only go to, well, what kind of agreement would you have in place and Mm -hmm. what kind of lawyer would deal with this? Like who has the experience to draft such an agreement? And like, I'm thinking about assets and balance sheets and agreements. Right. And I'm having a very difficult time moving past that. And I imagine that might be true for a lot of
3: people. I think necessity breeds innovation and what's happened is I've found myself living with my partner in a really expensive part of the world. And if we want to continue to live here and not like uproot ourselves and move to suburbia or worse. (laughs) Regina. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then we've got to find a way to live here. Yeah. Um, And, and we want to, participate in in the the real estate market because there's an opportunity for us to be invested there but also because home ownership is still a part of this enculturated dream um, and and it's totally unrealistic for us if we want to stay yeah. in the city so so we've had to look at the options available to us and and we're kind of currently in the process of thinking up <laughs> a third way an alternative to to the traditional uh, program because we just can't access it.
2: I I love everything you're saying, and I love the way I I do love it's it's a simplification, even though it's a complicated scenario of just saying you're investing in the community and that that it it is so much more than a financial asset when you're approaching it that way. And it it the the marriage comparison is is completely apt, but it it almost makes me understand it, and I think it might help people understand it better describing it that way because it is you're you're investing in these people and in this place and yes structures need to be in place but just the simple fact that you're like if this is what we're getting hung up on this kind of how do you get out how do you maybe it's fine to wait a little while and it's fine to kind of continue in the renting mode and and know that what what's been created is good and and serves the needs of the of the many right now and let it morph and and kind of see where it grows because I I know that there are a lot of people trying to solve this problem right now. There are a lot of people trying to solve the problem on both a financial level and a soci- uh, sociological level and a community level and trying to figure out home and build that and still be financially responsible. You know, they, these we get stuck in the default, but then we also get stuck in the default complaints. We get stuck in the default victim, um, blame, uh, victim kind of uh, identity. And... It, at the certain point, it's just like we get stuck in the same conversations and the same questions. And I think it's a way more interesting question for some people to say, how do we structure an agreement so that we can maintain flexibility? Then how do I find $200,000 for a down payment? Like yeah. it, it, at least that's a possible problem go see a lawyer. It's going to be way cheaper than $200,000 to try to structure something, you know? And If you're with the right group of people and you really want to give it a try, then you give it a try and you go in with your eyes as as wide open as possible. But, you know, housing needs more ideas, Mm -hmm. especially if you want it to be reachable in in some form, like like lots of people in their kind of 20s and 30s want.
1: Hmm. Yeah. That was tidy.
2: Well, thank you so much for uh, coming and chatting about housing, Rob. That was Awesome. I agree with everything and I, I like to imagine that John was completely convinced and is going to plan to buy a house tomorrow with his six closest friends. (laughs)
3: Great success.
0: Goodbye. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Because Money is a labor of love and involves no ads or other sponsorship. Be sure to click the like or subscribe button where you downloaded this from, as we'll help other listeners find the podcast and raise our profile, which in turn makes it easier to book guests. Please visit becausemoney.ca for show notes and related links.